The spinning reel may be the most common reel amongst anglers, and they seem fairly straightforward, but there's a lot more than you might think to choosing and using a spinning reel correctly, and we're going to talk about all of that on this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. I'm Chad Lachance, and you're listening to Fishful Thinker, the podcast. All things fishful, all the time. Hey y'all, Chad Lachance here. Appreciate you tuning in once again to this episode of Fishful Thinker, the podcast. We're going to talk about spinning reels, and it seems pretty straightforward, like I said. Uh, everybody's got one, unless you're just a pure fly guy, everybody's got one. Pretty much everybody's got experience with one, but after being a fishing guide for the better part of 20 years... I can tell you a lot of folks don't necessarily use them correctly or understand them at their highest level. And, of course, here at Fishful Thinker, we're all about getting the understanding uh, and use of products up uh, at a high level like they should be so that you can take the best advantage of the products that you purchase. And I spent, and I've said this often on the podcast, I spent... Uh, basically five years working at Sportsman's Warehouse behind the real bar. When I was first getting Fishful Thinker off the ground, I had come out of a, out of different businesses not fishing related. At the time, I was tournament fishing a bunch. Uh, when I decided I was going to start guiding, I decided I also needed to learn a little bit more about what Joe Average Angler understood or didn't understand. So I went to Sportsman's Warehouse and got a job behind the real bar uh, selling fishing tackle to everybody. And at that point, uh, as I'm prone to do, I asked everybody that came in questions. I mean, all kinds of questions. I drove customers crazy asking them questions about their knowledge, trying to establish really what they knew or didn't know about fishing tackle. And what I found out when it came to purchasing rods, reels, and uh, and line, all three of those items, people really didn't understand a lot of the differences of why there are so many models of spinning reels, why there are so many casting reels or rods. And it's not just about brand. <clears throat> it's also about some of the features, but also some of the intended use. And there are companies, a lot of companies that sell rod reel combos put together. And I'm just going to start off by saying that can be a reasonable choice. If you're not a super hardcore guy, you're not specialized about anything, you are probably better served to buy a rod and reel combo because the manufacturer took a lot of time to put those together such that they are paired well in terms of the reel and the rod working together. And that is a very important you know, concept that the rod and the reel work together. So much so that I've often wondered why they aren't built together all into one one piece very commonly, but they're not. And, uh, and I think that's probably just as well. But the rod and reel need to go together. And that's the first step when picking a spinning reel. And what most guys would do was pick one up at the reel bar and they're mounted on handles so you can pick it up and spin it and feel what it looks like. Give it a quick spin, look at it, literally just look at it and ask for one in a box and leave with it. And that's all great, but there's a lot of features in that spinning reel that you really need to look at if you want to purchase one intelligently and for your best use. So the first step becomes knowing how or what you want to use it for. And here at Fishful Thinker, if you're a fan of this podcast, you know that we're an advocate of you choose your lure first or your bait first, then you choose your line then you choose your rod, then you choose your reel. And that makes it sound like the reel is not important and that is not true by any stretch at all. It's just that to get the best 
overall pairing of your stuff, that's the, that's the direction you need to go first and foremost. But the reason you need to choose the rod ahead of the reel, in my opinion, is, is a couple, twofold, really. One, because you've already chosen your line by the time you've chosen your rod, and that may dictate a little bit of, of what you want for a reel. And then two, the rod you've chosen to go with that line will also dictate a little bit about the reel that you want. And so the reel becomes the last thing that you choose. That doesn't mean it's the least important. It just means that in the decision process, it's the, it's the last one that you need to choose. And we're going to start with that. We're going to start assuming that, uh, that you've already chosen your rod, or excuse me, you've already chosen your bait and your line and your rod, and you're just only looking for a reel. Okay, so first of all, they're available in sizes, and everyone knows that. Typically, they're going to go from maybe a 10 to a 50 or an 80, 10, 20, 30, 40. Some manufacturers do a 15, 25, 35. As far as I'm aware, it's only a reference to each other, not a specific measurement or anything like that. It's just a reference to the size class of the reel, such that, say, an Abu Garcia, a size 20 Abu Garcia is very similar to a size 25 um, Fluger, which is all rated in, in five increments, so 25, 35, 45. So they're going to be very similar in size, but why does size matter? Well, it matters for a couple of reasons, and this is why you choose the rod first. If you already have your rod and you're just buying a reel, it pays to have some idea of the characteristics of that rod because one of the primary things that make fishing tackle nice to fish with, a spinning rod nice to fish with and feel good in your hand is its overall balance. And if you've got a really heavy fishing rod, then it stands to reason that a heavier reel is going to make the overall package heavy, understandably. However, it still may make the overall package feel lighter in your hand because it balances better. So if I take a very heavy fishing rod and I put a very lightweight spinning reel on it, the rod's going to feel very tip heavy. And therefore, you're going you're gonna to really notice the extra weight of the rod. However, if I put a reel that is balanced well with the rod, then the rod's going to feel little bit lighter overall in your hand and more importantly you're going to be able to manipulate the tip of that fishing rod more precisely and more comfortably because it is counterbalanced. In other words your hand effectively becomes the fulcrum point in the rod and reel or where it's balanced and that's important. I think also, <coughs> excuse me, I think also that is important is um, the size of the reel. Another reason why the size of the reel besides just the balance issue uh, is because of the drag surface. And we'll get into that more and more, but I want to elaborate a little bit more on the balance issue. If you have a very lightweight rod and you put a heavy reel on it, it's going to feel very butt heavy and you're going to negate the money you spent on that nice lightweight fishing rod by putting a heavy reel on it. So for my personal tackle, the lightest rods I have, an example being uh, an Abu Garcia Xenon spinning rod, which is ridiculously light. If I put a heavier reel on that thing, then I lose a lot of the advantage of that of that Xenon. So I have the lightest reels I have, and in my case, that's an Abu Garcia MGX Extreme. It's an extremely lightweight spinning reel, which works very well with the lightweight rod. Conversely, if I have an ugly stick, let's say I'm, I've got an ugly stick, I'm a guy that, that likes to lob catfish bait. 
uh, or I've got a rod that I just uh, really appreciate the durability and I've got one of the smaller ugly sticks and I'm maybe walking through the bushes on the side of a river a lot with it and the durability is very important to me. Well, I want to put probably a little bit heavier spinning reel on it. And typically speaking, the more money you spend on a spinning reel, for given size range anyway, the uh, lighter weight they get. They have higher tech materials in them. So that MG Extreme that I referenced a minute ago has titanium products and carbon fiber products in the reel. If you buy a much less expensive reel, it's going to have stainless steel products and, uh, and things like that in the reel, which are considerably heavier. And so the reel will be heavy. So one of the things you want to look at with this, besides just the size of the reel, is the weight of the reel. And it will be printed on the box for pretty much any reasonable reel that you're looking at. So you want to look at the, the physical weight of the reel and, uh, and make sure that it's going to help balance with your rod. In a perfect world, I would bring that rod with me to the store to try my reel on, or I would go grab one off the shelf that was a comparable rod and, uh, and then put the reel on there and try it, try it for balance and, and see. Because most people, in my experience, don't have any idea how much their rod weighs or where the balance points of those rods are. So if you can bring yours in or grab one off the shelf and try the reel on it, you'll get the best overall balance. And this is more and more important when you work towards higher levels of presenting lures. In other words, my the reason my Xenon is so lightweight, my Xenon spinning rod and the MG Extreme reel is so lightweight is because I'm presenting very small finesse baits with it and it gives me the best overall feel. But if you're literally just, I, I fish with, you know, wide range of stuff. I'm not trying to refine anything. It's not going to be as big a deal. So as your performance level comes up as an angler, your performance level of your tackle should come with it or you will be hampering yourself a little bit uh, in, in so doing. So the weight's going to be important for balance. Another reason that size is important with a spinning reel, and this is a big one for me, is the drag surface. The bigger diameter the spool is on a spinning reel, the bigger the drag surface can be. And the bigger the drag surface can be, all other things being equal, the smoother and the, the drag will be, and also the less heat that drag will create. So, for instance, if I'm fishing for large, strong fish, let's say I'm fishing for wipers, and they're going to make big runs, uh, you know, I'm going to hook them on 10-pound test or something, and they're going to take off run-ins and pull a bunch of line. Certainly, if I'm a saltwater guy, uh, I want a big drag surface. And the bigger the drag surface is, the more efficient that drag system will be, the more consistent it will be, the less heat it will create, and the longer it will last because of that. And those are important things. So, for instance, I went, I, I'm an Abby Garcia guy through and through. I throw Abby Garcia spinning reels, have for a very, very long time. The When I got ready to go film in saltwater here, not terribly long ago, the reels I chose to go catch bonefish on the flats were actually pen reels because I could get a bigger drag surface on that reel for one, uh, so that when I hooked a bonefish and that thing ripped off 200 yards in one shot, which a couple of them did, one of them took a full 200 yards of line in one shot. That's never gonna happen to you in fresh water, but it will in salt water when you hook an eight pound bonefish on light line and he takes off. That drag stayed very smooth. And even when I look back at the footage of it, you can see that the rod is just zzzz, instead of a zzzz, 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 which you'll see on some fish. And some of that's a little bit about how the fish surge, but some of it is about how the drag surface is heating up and it loses co-friction when it does so. 
uh, coefficient of friction, and therefore the drag is not smooth. And so you want a very smooth drag, and you want a smooth startup inertia on that drag. So in other words, it takes the same amount of force to get the drag started slipping as it does to continue slipping once the line is paying out. Uh, on, on the case of a drag. So you, a big drag surface is going to help you with that. So if I'm shooting for big fish, I'm going to use a larger surface drag or a bigger diameter spool uh, on, on my spinning reel, which means I might be up in the 30 or 40 or 50 size spinning reel range, depending on exactly what I'm doing. Conversely, if I'm fishing for small fish, that's irrelevant and or fish that aren't going to pull a tremendous amount of drag. And, and I don't care how big the largemouth bass is you catch or the smallmouth, he's not going to pull more than 10 or 15 feet of line. That's not going to be critical. What will be critical is the startup inertia that it takes or the startup energy it takes to get that drag moving. And a more expensive drag or a more expensive reel has got better quality drag components within that reel. So what you basically want to do in the store is turn that, tighten the drag down to a reasonable amount and then turn it and feel yourself. Does it start and stop smoothly against the drag as you turn it backwards by the spool? That can be very, very important. So the drag surface. Another really important decision factor with the spinning reel that'll help you decide on what size of spinning reel to choose is going to be braided line versus monofilament or nylon. Uh, or excuse me, nylon monofilament or fluorocarbon monofilament. Uh, braided line is much thinner diameter for starters, so I don't need the spool capacity. I don't need the volume of line on the spool in most cases. Second of all, it's much more supple, so it doesn't care about um, tors torsional rigidity, so to speak. It doesn't have the resistance to twist that that uh, nylon or fluorocarbon has. And therefore, you can get away with a smaller spool on a spinning reel that is intended for braided line. And I like that application. I like that concept because a lot of my finesse stuff is done on very light braid, six, eight, or 10 pound braided line. And therefore, the smaller reel balances nicely with the higher quality rods that I'm going to do with those presentations in the first place. So having a, um, a big giant spool doesn't help me with braid. I'm just going to end up putting 300 yards of braid on there or backing underneath it and blah, blah, blah. Really what I only need in, for 99% of freshwater situations, you need about 100 yards of line at the most. You're just not going to have that many fish in a freshwater situation that are going to take any line, at least not with normal size fishing tackle. And I've caught some really big fish that I wasn't expecting to catch. Uh, some great big catfish, catfish in the 30 pound range while I'm jigging with six pound test. Uh, I've caught a 17 pound wiper on eight pound test one time. And yeah, he took some line, but he didn't take 100 yards of line. He took 50 yards of line a couple different times, but that's about it. Great big trout, same kind of thing. They're just not going to take a tremendous amount of line off. So 100 yards of line is more than enough. So I don't need to have a bunch of braid. And that's why some of the manufacturers sell shallow spools with their spinning reels. They'll, they'll have a spool that's very shallow. That's typically a braided line spool. If you are going to fish braided line, and I'm a giant, most of my spinning reels have braided line of some sort on them, either X5 or X9 braid, which is Berkeley product, uh, X5 being better abrasion resistance, X9 being smoother, more supple, a little bit quieter. 
Um, but w those are what's on the overwhelming majority of my spinning radials. And with the other possibility being some very light fluorocarbon, 100% uh, fluorocarbon. So my braided spinning reels can be very small in that regard, and that can be important. Now, that goes against the drag thing that I already referenced, but again, these aren't fish. Smallmouth bass are not going to pull a tremendous amount of drag. It's not going to have an opportunity to get that hot. If I was fishing for saltwater fish, I would have a different mindset on that. So that's one of the things I'm looking for is a smaller spool, something in the, in the 15 to 25 size reel versus, you know, in the 30 or 40 range that I might use if I was going to use monofilament all the time on my reel. Incidentally, on, as a bit of a side note, there is no application in, with spinning tackle where I prefer uh, a fluorocarbon or nylon monofilament if I have to exceed 12-pound test. If 12-pound is about as big of monofilament of any kind that I will put on a spinning reel. If I need more pound test than that, it's going to go to a braided line because it handles so much better. Um, if I'm going to use, you know, if I need 12-pound test, I'm going to use a big spinning reel as well. Uh, typically, if I need monofilament that heavy, it's going to be on a relatively big spinning rod. And the reason I need the big spinning reel is the, is the monofilament does not like small diameter wraps. The more wraps you have, the the less distance you'll be able to cast that reel, the smaller diameter that spool is, the more wraps you automatically have. I have to wrap my line around it more times to get the same amount of line on there. Conversely, when I cast it 50 yards, it's going to take a lot more wraps coming off the spool if the spool diameter is 30% smaller. So that can be very important as well. So um, the next thing I'm going to look at with a spinning reel after the size of the spool diameter and the drag surface that goes with that because the spool diameter dictates the size of the drag surface and the spinning design. The next thing I'm going to look at is the retrieve speed of that reel. And retrieve speed and gear ratio are not the same things and they are very commonly confused. And retrieve speed is how many inches of line per handle rotation. So in other words, when my handle goes all the way around one full rotation, how many inches of line did that reel take in? And it assumes a full spool. That, that number is calculated with a full spool of line. If I want, the reason, I, in most cases, almost across the board, I want a faster reel, all things being equal. But you can't assume that something that has a higher gear ratio is automatically faster because perhaps the spool diameter is smaller. So if I have a higher gear ratio, in other words, a 7 to 1, spinning reel. So every time the handle goes around one time, the, the rotor for the spinning reel goes around seven times. So that would be faster automatically than if I had a five and a half to one, because again, the rotor would only go around five and a half times per turn. However, if the distance around that spool is more because the spool is bigger, well, that might negate that. So the, the stat you really need to look at is the inches per turn, not the gear ratio itself. And different manufacturers will sell them differently, but that's the part you need to look at. And incidentally, that applies to a casting reel as well. It's not just about the gear ratio. It's also about the diameter of the spool. They go hand in hand. If you're a truck guy, it's the same thing with your, with your differential ratios and your tire size. So... Uh, the gear ratio does not dictate necessarily the, the line taken. It's a combination of the gear and the diameter of the spool. Faster spinning reels, or any reels for that matter, um, for me are more commonly 
chosen. I like the faster retrieves for most things. It's rare that there's an application that I want a slower retrieve speed for. And the, the times that it is, it's for something that is continuously retrieved that will have resistance in the water. So for instance, a deep diving crankbait, which the faster you retrieve it, the harder it is to retrieve. And the higher gear ratio you have, or the higher inches per turn you're taking in, the more effort it will take on your behalf to reel that thing in. So it's a little bit of fatigue issue. In other words, you'll wear yourself out winding very hard. And two, um, you won't have as good a feel. So there I like a lower speed reel, maybe something like a spinner bait or a chatter bait type bait that you're retrieving through the through the water column. It's got some resistance, same kind of thing. There I met one, maybe a mid-speed reel. Um, but otherwise, any sort of a finesse bait, any sort of a pitching, you know, Texas rig style bait, any actual bait itself, like say I'm trout fishing and I want bait, I want fast reels for all of that because I get my line back in a hurry if I want to uh, or if I need to. A faster reel will let you get tight on fish in a hurry as well in the event of a fish coming at you. I mentioned that, that I had the pen reels when I went to Florida. I had pen spin fishers when I went to Florida last time to catch bonefish. I also use those same reels to catch some really big barracudas on what amounts to smallmouth bass size tackle. And I'll be the first to tell you that those pen reels did not balance ideally on the rods that I bought. The pen reels are very beefy, constructed, very stiff frames. They're made for big, strong fish. I didn't have rods designed for that to travel with. In other words, I could put on an airplane without them being whole. And so therefore, I took some Ava Garcia rods that are more along the lines of a bass rod or a smallmouth bass rod specifically. The pen reels were a little heavy for that, but that's okay. I made up for that. I, I understood that that was going to be the case going into it, but they offered two things. One, the drag that I already talked about, and two, the retrieve speed so that I could stay tight on fish. And I hooked a barracuda on a tube lure that came straight at me as fast as a barracuda can go, which is one of the fastest fish in the ocean, one of the top 10 fastest fish in the ocean, which means they're very fast. I was winding that pen for all I was worth just trying to stay tight and I could barely stay tight on that fish and I was literally winding as fast as you can and when you watch the footage it's pretty funny because the guide's yelling at me to wind, I'm yelling at myself to wind, the barracuda's coming at me right on the surface at full speed. If you have a slow reel right there he's going to straight up slack you out before you know, before he comes by and the disadvantage of that is when he goes by the boat headed the other way he's coming right at me and so when he passed the boat and went the other way he would have hit the end of that slack and on undoubtedly broke me off. Instead, I was able to keep it tight. So as the line came tight, it did so smoothly. Then the drag engaged and off he went and I landed him without any problem. So there the retrieve speed was very helpful. Just flat getting your bait back in a hurry uh, can be very helpful. A trout stream, a classic one, staying tight on trout and current that will, that will run down current to you. Same kind of thing. The retrieve speed will help you out there. So I want, as a general rule, faster reels are better. If I'm so all the things equal, I'm going to choose one that's that's got a higher inches per turn of the handle retrieve rate than one that does not. So that's going to be an important thing. The next thing from there I'm going to look at is starts to get to, into quality issues. Um, the number of bearings is an important thing in the reel, but it's important to look at where those bearings are. So some. Some reels you see is a three bearing reel and some are a five bearing reel and some are a 10 or 11 bearing reel. But in some cases, three or four of those bearings are in the handle itself. Um, the other thing is the quality of those bearings. So you might see a very inexpensive reel that's got a bunch of bearings. So that manufacturer probably is using those bearings as a headline selling point. But what you don't understand is all bearings are not created equal. 
And so you might see a very expensive reel that's got fewer bearings, but they're very high quality bearings. They're known as a higher speed bearing, which basically means their machining tolerances are more um, are tighter. And therefore the, the reel itself will maintain less slop, less slack. So instant anti-reverse uh, is, can be an important side of it as well. Any slop or slack in a spinning reel or any other reel for that matter is something you want to avoid. So spin the reel forward and then immediately try to go backwards. If there's any slop in there, I'm probably going to buy a different reel uh, because you want to have precision bearings and a precision anti-reverse bearing, which is the bearing that keeps the reel from spinning backwards. These days, I prefer spinning reels that have no selectable anti-reverse. In other words, they are permanently anti-reverse. That's a reliability issue. That's a trend we're seeing in spinning reels across manufacturers. Abu Garcia is removing that feature from a lot of their reels. There's very few anglers these days that back reel. There's very few. Personally, in my application, there is no reason for back reeling uh, in any type of fishing that I do. And... Um, the anti-reverse getting flipped accidentally and causing you tangles is a very easy scenario or that switch failing because it's just another moving part and anytime you add a moving part to anything, I don't care if it's a car or a reel, uh, you have another opportunity for failure. So taking the anti-reverse switch off of a reel is, is not a removal of a feature. In my opinion, it's a removal of a opportunity for failure. So I prefer reels that don't have selectable anti-reverse on them. And I think that's a key thing. The, another quality thing that's really important to look at, and this is a big one, is the bail flip, the, the trip, the mechanism on the bail itself. And what I'm looking for is something that's very positive. In other words, it's crisp, it clicks. That bail clicks from one side to the other. It doesn't rotate. It doesn't kind of fold. It's a distinct click when you fold the bail over from one side to the other. And let me tell you one thing. If you're using the handle on your spinning reel to trip your bail, in other words, you fold it open with your hand, you make a cast, and then you use the handle on the spinning reel to trip the bail, you are doing yourself a tremendous amount of disservice. The, the handle trip is the dumbest thing ever put on a spinning reel, in my opinion. One of the lead designers for one of the biggest manufacturers in quality spinning reels out there, I asked him one time, if you could take one... If you could change spinning reels, one thing, because he was complaining about the marketing people wouldn't let him change some stuff because they couldn't sell them. And at the end of the day, you got to sell fishing tackle, right? The designer says, I would take the trip mechanism off of the handle of a spinning reel. The, the bail on a spinning reel should be operated manually. And the reason that is, is because it goes hand in hand with controlling slack on a spinning reel. And the First thing I can tell when a guy walked into Sportsman's Warehouse and he picked up a spinning reel and he starts playing with the bail, if he uses the handle, he or she, just for the record, if they use the handle to trip that bail, I know right away that I'm dealing with an angler that may not have a very high level of experience. If he's flipping that bail back and forth without the line roller, which is the part where the line catches on the corner of the bail, if that line roller is not at the very top, what I like to call top dead center for a motor guy, and yes, I'm a former car guy, if that, that line roller should be top dead center every time you flip the reel one way or the other. And if you're doing it any other way than that, then you're not getting the most performance out of your spinning reel. 
So when I see a guy grab a spinning reel and he folds the bale with the with the line roller, you know, off to one side or on the bottom or whatever, I know right away his experience level is not very high. If you watch any really high skilled anglers with a spinning reel, that line roller will be at the top when they fold it back and forth. That is the most consistent way to do it. It's the only consistent way to keep the amount of slack between your finger when you go to cast, uh, when you're holding the line between there and the reel the same. It's the only reliable way to do it. It's also imperative that you have access to the lip of the spool, the top lip of the spool, so that you can use your thumb or forefinger to control slack. The classic, this is my most classic one. I'm sitting behind the reel bar, doing my thing, you know, selling fish and tackle. Dude comes in the store, hey, I need a spinning reel that doesn't twist my line. Nope, sorry, can't help you. Neither can anybody else in any other fishing department anywhere else in the world. You cannot take a filament, in other words, a fiber of any sort, whether it be a braided line or a monofilament, whatever, you cannot turn it 90 degrees and wrap it around a spool without twisting it. It won't happen. Try it with your garden hose. Try it with anything you have. You have to twist the, 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 the inherently for it to turn 90 degrees and get wrapped around a spool, it will twist. Okay, so how you handle that with even the best quality spinning reel or the cheapest spinning reel, how you handle it is by controlling the slack line on your reel because the line twist is only an issue when that line has slack in it. And uh, same thing with wrapping the tip of your rod. When you get slack line is when you'll wrap the tip of your rod. That, li that line is twisted because it was on a spinning reel. You slacked it out. It wraps the tip of your rod. You're not paying attention and you break the tip of the rod off next time you set the hook or fun stuff like that. Controlling slack is important, which means it's almost the whole shooting match with a spinning reel, literally the whole shooting match, which means if I run my bail manually with the line roller always at the top and I use either my thumb or one of my two first fingers, my forefinger or, or my middle finger to control slack against the spool lip of the reel, I can fish for days and days and days and never tangle my line. As soon as I start using the reel handle to close the bail, that first wrap is going to be loose, okay? And that loose wrap is going to then be a larger diameter than the next wraps that you reel with, with tension on the rod. Now, when you go to cast, one or two casts later, those small wraps that are tighter and on top of that big loose wrap are going to catch that big loose wrap, pull it off, and you're going to have the dreaded wind knot. And then you're going to come talk to me at Sportsman's Warehouse and say, I need a spinning reel that doesn't slack does twist my line. And what I'm going to tell you is all you need to do is learn how to control your slack all the time. So every time I make a cast with a spinning reel, and I have very good videos on my YouTube channel about this at Fishful Thinker, when you cast a spinning reel, the line roller should be at the top. First of all, you make the cast. As the line is going out, use your thumb, uh, index finger, or middle finger to control the slack on the spool. At the end of the cast, you stop the slack right there. Stop the line right there against the spool and close the bale. Then all of your wraps are the same diameter or they're increasingly bigger diameter as they should be. That's how this, the design works and you won't have any problems. If you learn nothing else from anything at Fishful Thinker ever, if that's the only thing you learn, but you apply that, it's going to save you a lot of money and headache in tangled fishing line. And on guide trips, it's the number one thing that I have in, in almost 20 years of guiding that people have said they learned from me, and it is the controlling of the slack on the spool lip of a spinning reel. 
If you do that religiously all the time, every time, you'll rarely tangle line for one. For two, you'll be a more accurate caster, which is a fantastic deal. And three, you won't frustrate yourself because reeling in slack line or closing the bail with the reel handle and getting one you know, loose wrap on there is never a good deal. So when you control that slack at the end of the cast, make a cast and don't touch the reel. You watch how much extra line pays out every time. And it's worse if you have nylon monofilament or fluorocarbon monofilament. People say, oh, fluorocarbon, it's worse. It's the hardest one. Well, yeah, it's the stiffest line. I get it. But it's still, if you control the slack, it's not a problem to fish with. So that's the biggest thing. So learn that as you're picking your spinning reel uh, from there. Uh, is to control it that way. But when you're in the store and you pick a spinning reel up and you're folding that handle back and forth, or excuse me, that bail back and forth, it should be very crisp and a very clicky mechanism. The more crisp it is, the longer it will last as a, as a given rule. So the more mush that's in the bail, the lower quality that mechanism is, and that's going to be an opportunity for failure for sure. Last thing I'll throw out there, uh, with regards to, to choosing and using spinning reels. An easy way to tell about the quality of a spinning reel is also to look in the box. Did that manufacturer put extra washers in there? Little nylon washers you'll see uh, in the box with the reel and some instructions about how to use them. In my experience, nobody has any idea what those washers are for, and I can tell you right now. when If your spinning reel is stacking line, not flat, in other words, the top of the spool and the bottom of the spool, if if you're looking at it from the side, if, if it's not flat, in other words, oh, there's line bunching up on the tip of the spool or the butt of the spool, then those washers are designed to go under that spool and to change the way the line wraps on the spool. And that's a little bit dictated by the type of line you have. Those washers, if a manufacturer puts those in the box, they are expecting a higher quality angler involved with that and you should probably use them. In most cases, they do a good job of not needing those uh, those extra washers um, for most applications. But as soon as you put heavier line or lighter line than what the reel is really designed for, um, then you're going to go from there uh, and cause yourself some potential issues, which is why those washers are in the box. So if the line is bunching up at the bottom of the spool, in other words, the end closest to the body of the reel, then you need to remove a washer or two from the stack that comes on there from the factory. If the line is bunching up at the top of the reel uh, towards the drag knob, then you need to uh, add some spacers in there and it will, it will even out to where it's more in the middle of the reel and it will perform better. So keep that in mind. A uh, couple other quick tidbits. When you're setting the drag on a spinning reel or any other reel for that matter, uh, do so by setting the drag and then pulling on the line that is run all the way through all the guides and then you're pulling on the rod because every guide that that line goes through on its way out the rod will add more resistance. So you set the drag and pull it right in the front of the reel, you think, oh, the drag's perfect. But then when you've got the rod at 90 degrees to a fish who's pulling hard, the drag is way tighter than what you think because all that resistance of that line going through all of those guides and bending at each location. So the drag needs to be a little bit softer if you're going to pull it from the reel than what you think. The only way to gauge that is to pull it from the tip of the rod with the rod bent than it is, you know, than it, as opposed to pulling right off the front of the reel. Uh, and for the record, if, if your drag is too tight to pull some line out easily, your drag is just too tight in general um, with any kind of a reasonable amount of line that you have. So keep that in mind as well. 
And the last thing I'll throw out there, if you're for sure going to get a, a reel with braid, for braided line use, make sure it has either a some ridges in the spool, a rubber O-ring on the spool, something like that, or the braid will slip on the spool. And that at that point, the way to solve that is if you've got a reel and it's got a smooth spool and you want to start it with braided line, is tie the braided line off to the, to the reel, put about five wraps around the, the spool itself with the braid, and then lay a piece of electrical tape directly over the braided line right on the spool at the very bottom like that and take a piece of electrical tape and tape it tight down to the spool and then wind all the line in on top of it and voila, you will have no more problems. But most manufacturers do a good job of putting uh, some sort of a ridge in the spool or something to help the braided line bite when it screws in. So that's my spiel on spinning reels. Um, so choose the size based on a couple of things. One, the quality of your rod or the weight of your rod, I should say. Uh, such that a heavier or longer rod needs a heavier reel and a lighter or shorter rod does better with a lighter weight reel. You want the size of the spool uh, dictated by the drag surface and the type of line you're going to put on it. You want a faster than slower reel in most cases and other than some very specific applications. And you want a very positive uh, bail trip, a very crisp and positive bail trip, and you want to run it with your hands. So if you have questions, shoot me an email, chat at fishfulthinker.com. Join our social media at Fishful Thinker on Facebook, Instagram, of course, or on YouTube channel. We put a lot of effort into YouTube channel, uh, including some very good information on using spinning reels at a high level. So I appreciate you listening. This has been Fishful Thinker, the podcast. <laughs>